other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano and the other side of midnight. I am here for the first half of the show, and then I'll pass the mantle to Curtis Slewa, who will take over. It was a fitting tribute for a hero. FDNY veteran William Moon was remembered at his funeral Thursday as a true hero who continued to help others even in death with his donated organs, saving the lives of two fellow members of New York's bravest. Thousands came to Bayshore, uniformed firefighters lining up outside St. Patrick's Roman Catholic Church to pay their final respects to Moon, a 47-year-old dad of two who died earlier this month during a training accident at his Brooklyn firehouse. Moon's eight-year-old son, Colin, had on his father's dress uniform. Of course, he wants to be a firefighter just like his dad. Eight-year-old Colin said during the service that he described, meaning his father described himself as being cool, awesome, and the smartest in the world. My sister says he's not, I say he is. Colin said, I will never forget how he taught me to roller skate and added, my name is Colin Moon and I love him so much. Moon's widow, Christina, said her husband, a 21-year veteran of the department, a devoted dad and loving partner whose passion for fire service was part of the family's life. Andrew Ansbro, the president of the FDNY Uniformed Firefighters Association, the union, said, quote, Billy donated his organs to save the lives of two firefighters. Yes, two New York City firefighters and other people. Even in death, he continued to save lives. Firefighter Moon, thank you for what you have done to protect all of us and keep all of us safe. You will be missed. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Dominic Carter in for Frank Morano and The Other Side of Midnight. If you get the opportunity... Please go online and take a look at the New York Post. The headline of one story says, More children in the line of fire as rash of shootings continue to plague New York City. The article is quite compelling as it shows the actual faces of more than 10 young people that have died, been caught in gunfire in New York City, New York City children are increasingly finding themselves in a line of fire 
as the rash of gun violence continues to rattle through the five boroughs. With one in 10 shooting victims this year, according to the stats, being under the age of 18. The article for me is heartbreaking, and it starts with a mother. Her name, Yanali Henriquez, who says her Christmas this year was far from a celebration. The Bronx mom spent the holiday at the cemetery visiting her late daughter, and she'll repeat this somber event activity next month when the slain straight-A student would have turned her daughter 17 years old. The mother says, my family is broken, broken. Her daughter was shot dead earlier this year. The mother says, we are not the same since this happened. She says, I should be celebrating my daughter's birthday on January 24th, days from now, and now I have to go to a grave. Henrique's daughter was killed by a stray bullet near her South Bronx High School on April 8th, and she was one of more than a dozen kids gunned down in the Big Apple this year. And then there's also Prince Shabazz, 14 years old. He was walking with his brother in the Bronx on November 30th when they were ambushed by two gunmen. His 15-year-old brother survived. He did not. Then there's Shema Roman, a promising 17-year-old basketball star who died in her sister's arms after getting shot in Crown Heights on September 18th. Police said she was an innocent bystander struck by stray bullets fired by a pair of gunmen. Folks, this has to stop. For me, on a personal level, it is all so very, very sad. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. This morning, Noam Layden, our news director at WABC, had sparse details. He said it looked like there was a home invasion in Bensonhurst at about 6 in the morning. It appeared that it was two guys... They had broken into an apartment. They had killed the uh, the adult male and apparently had injured two of the female daughters. And then slowly but surely, all during the day, it unraveled. And it turns out there was no home invasion. It was a savage pre-dawn stabbing in which that Brooklyn dad and the daughter were stabbed viciously. The dad killed As he was stabbed over and over, the daughter stabbed over and over. She survived. But the person who did it was Nikki Secondino, 22 years old, who actually was the sister of that family. And her savage attack became even more stranger because it turns out she was a transgender. And that her father, Carlo, two years before had not only supported her transition, but had paid for it. Now, apparently, there were quite a few domestic violence calls to that very apartment over the years. And people in the neighborhood recognized that there was a lot of drama going on in that household. And in fact, on the night in question, there was some screaming, some hollering, some wrestling, some fighting. And all of a sudden, there was silence as... uh, 
The father was struggling in the hallway. He died and bled out. And the sister ended up falling and collapsing on the kitchen room floor. Later in the day, out of the 62nd precinct, in a daisy chain perp walk, was the assailant herself who has been charged with murder and attempted murder. And what it makes it all the stranger is that this Nikki Secondino was a transgender supported in this effort by the very father that she killed, who apparently she had a love-hate relationship with. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. You know, I share with Steven Tyler, the Aerosmith singer, the same birthday, March 26th, as I do with uh, Diana Ross. And Steven Tyler actually grew up in Yonkers, went to Roosevelt High School, and ended up getting tossed there, ironically, on this day where the first sale of marijuana in New York State took place for smoking marijuana. You know, the fame and fortune and success he's had, the battles he's had with his demons of alcohol and drugs, putting him in and out of rehab. But it was always said that Tyler, early on in his career, in 1973, had met a 16-year-old girl when he was 25 and had gone to her parents and convinced them to sign away her guardianship to Steven Tyler himself, allowing him to take her across state lines and continue a sexual and romantic relationship with her. This way he could avoid charges of the Man Act, which would have put him in a federal detention facility. Tyler, now 74, wrote in his 2011 memoir that he almost took a teen bride and said her parents fell in love with him and signed the paper over to me to have custody. Well, now it turns out there's a lawsuit filed on behalf of this young lady who is now obviously much older in her life, saying that she was abused, that she was taken advantage of, and that, in fact, it was completely unjust that Stephen Tyler would buy her from her father and mother at that time. Boy, this to be continued. Does this make Stephen Tyler a pedophile on a pedestal? In my mind, yes.